0: Welcome back to the cycling tips podcast everybody it's the week of february 15th and we've got a great episode for you today unfortunately our news editor dane cash out this morning some kind of stomach too bug.
1: many nuggets
0: too many nuggets too many nuggets which is unfortunate because we we are we're going to have the first edition no
1: no 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 you can't reveal it yet what are you doing
0: okay i won't reveal it you got, you got to stick around for the end of the, uh, end of the episode to understand where that segue was going. Anyway, we do have most of the crew with us, nonetheless. We've got Abby and Dave, Shoddy Dave, in France. And, of course, James to talk about tech here today. As always, we are sponsored by Continental this week. Shoddy, what are we learning about the German
2: tire brand
0: in this week's episode?
2: Okay, you're sitting comfortably
0: I'm very comfortable
2: here we go then did you know that continental makes tires out of dandelions this one blew my mind when i started reading it they do the urban taraxagon is a commuter type tire that uses dandelion rubber the tire is one small part of continental's overall sustainability strategy and i've actually had a i've had a thumb through their sustainability report on the website from last year and it's It's quite intense, quite in-depth, sorry, should I say. There's a lot there. 80% of the factory waste is recycled, for example, which is, I would think, a lot for a company the size of Continental. Uh, As for the dandelions, well, dandelions can be grown significantly closer to Continental's European tyre plant. So not only is the material itself more sustainable, the amount of energy and resources used to get it for it to get to us, the riders, is far lower too. All oh, good for that environment. Actually, we here at Cycling Tips, we'll be talking a lot more about sustainability in the bike industry in the coming year. And Continental is one of the brands making real strides in this. It's, a, it's the, uh, the whole dandelion thing that blew my mind. I actually went and read a load on a few other websites because it's pretty damn impressive, really.
1: I had no idea you could make rubber out of dandelions. If a,
2: I didn't if either. anyone at
1: Continental needs more dandelions, I would just like to point out that I have plenty in my yard and I would be very appreciative if someone actually came <laughs> to get rid of them.
3: Just make dandelion crowns. What do you you have a daughter?
1: I have I do have a daughter. I have one daughter, and there are only so many dandelion crowns you can make, Abby. Infinite dandelion crowns.
3: Your
2: daughter James, my daughter James, get together. I reckon we could at least knock out parent ties between <laughs> down, the two.
0: There we
1: go. We're set up for the year.
0: I wonder how many dandelions it takes to make a tire. Probably a lot. Let's harass them. Let's find out. All right. We'll ask the Continental people. As always, thank you to Conti for sponsoring this week's episode. We're super excited to partner with y'all for the entire year. Bring you new Conti info every week. All right. On with the show. Of course, we do not have Dane to guide us through today's news, so well we're just going to share it around the rest of us. I, I think that'll work. We're kind of we'll take our areas of expertise. Abby, let's kick off with the weekend's racing. We had Provence, Almeria, uh, Shadi. I believe you were actually in the Ardèche, so you caught some of this racing. Where do we start off? Who won Provence?
3: Yeah, so Provence, the four-day stage race in France, was a pretty interesting one started off with Davide Ballerini winning the first two stages of Quick Quickstep. And the first stage was actually really fascinating. There was a lot of aggressive attacks and stuff that happened near the end of it, but it did come down to a sprint finish. And then the third stage took on Mont Mont Ventoux up to Chalet Renard.
0: Chalet Renard, which is like the, it's where they stop when it's too snowy and gross to go above it. Exactly, basically.
3: which it looked like it was yeah. snowy and gross up there, I'm not gonna lie. There was snow on the side of the road. Ineos Grenadiers did their usual kind of setting the pace pretty quickly, although they did also employ their new aggressive tactics near the end. Ivan Sosa went off the front solo and won the stage. He was actually followed closely uh, by Julien Alaphilippe, who was marking Egon Bernal a little bit there was like some interesting dynamics going on there that I'm sure we can get into and then the final stage was also a sprint finish won by Phil Bauhaus
0: was a good good race up on Uh Egon Bernal definitely working for Ivan Sosa which is interesting and something we often see in, in these early season races is you know uh, a rider who will be a super domestique later in the year because Ivan Sosa probably will gets their chance and he took advantage which I always like to see and you know obviously beat out some some heavy hitters on his own uh, I also love seeing Olaf leap with this kind of form this early in the year I am intrigued to see what he does this spring the fact that he's this quick this early well is he gonna make a run at the cobbled classics for example a little Flanders effort again he's already got his hands strata strata bianchi strata's
2: gonna be the one Definitely.
3: He did say yep. that he's that all of the races up until basically the end of the Ardennes are key races for him at the moment.
0: <laughs> so he's just peaked so from now to April. Just all of them. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love that it.
3: could go very wrong for him if, like, the Rona. But I guess we'll find out. It could go also very right for him if we go from last year.
2: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly. Races stop pretty soon.
0: Exactly. I mean, I think that a lot of riders are probably doing that, right? You you know, you don't want to assume that races later in the year are going to happen. You just get fit for the ones that are happening now and race while you can. And I I think that this season is going to feel a lot like last season, where almost every race that that kicks off has, well, a lot riding on it, because you don't know if it's going to be the last one for a bit.
1: I mean, it's one of the reasons why last season was so exciting, right? It's like, you know, if if you do treat every race like it's the last one of the season, just like everyone's just going all in all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've got a Tour de, Tour de France champion and uh great French hope and Ivan Sosa <laughs> going at it on Mont Ventoux in February. That's fantastic. That's good racing already this year. Yeah, it was
3: and it was a super interesting like dynamic in the final in the final with Julian Alaphilippe going, you know, toe to toe with Egon Bernal on Ventoux and he ended up up there regardless of crashing on stage two, which he, he did crash in on the wet. Another interesting crash that happened on stage two was um, Matteo Jorgensen, the young American on Movistar, who got taken out by a spectator hanging over the barriers. So, two things that you do not want to see in this day and age, which is barriers involved in a crash, and also a spectator who probably didn't have to test for coronavirus before coming to the race.
0: We still haven't quite learned. Although, although... You know, we don't we don't have any confirmed cases, for example, from like the Tour de France last year, where people were quite close. So it seems, it seems like the likelihood of transmission from fan to rider is is relatively low. But nonetheless, not not really what we want to
2: see. So the French getting out, getting excited before um, the six o'clock curfew we we have here. So they're get, <laughs> getting it all in before they have to go home. I mean, that's the
0: irony, right? Is you've got a six o'clock curfew, but then you've got hundreds of people on a barrier together right that just seems like I don't know
2: Matt, Matt Wells from Boras a name that nobody or not many people will recognize but I was ridiculously impressed by him yesterday getting seventh in the sprint finish it doesn't sound much but Matt's new to the new to the pro tour ranks he did ride for EF uh as a stagiaire back in 2019 but he's been with BC since then so I reckon we can see a lot from him. We were talking about random uh, neo pros or people to follow at the the world. Is it the world cycle cross in the US in the, next yeah. year?
0: Fayetteville next year.
2: Well, I'm thinking maybe we need to do it for the season this year <laughs> and get a random neo pro to follow because he's definitely one of them. That really impressed me. Matt
0: Wells, you said.
2: Yes, that's uh, the name. Right. Not, I don't think we're going to see the last of.
0: So maybe maybe a cycling tips Matt Wells fan club, we could kick off as practice for cyclocross worlds next year. I think it's very important. Yeah, I've already in, I've already started the, securing, uh, you know, companies to build a, to 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 print us eight foot heads of whoever we decide to be cheering for at cross worlds next year. We're gonna stand there. It's gonna be fantastic. I cannot wait. Cannot wait.
2: In in the same sprint, we've got we can't not mention Buhani because he got right grumpy on the finish line of the last stage it was fantastic say. it was like it was like it was back to his best hitting people shouting
0: <laughs> that's not a name that we've uh that we've uttered on this podcast anytime recently He's he's been kind of quiet for a couple of years so he's still not that old he could come back he could he could find himself at the front of bike races again he's always entertaining anyway
3: very entertaining
0: Almeria. What happened?
3: It was a really fast and slightly sketchy run into the line on some like pretty massive roads. Team Quebec at ASOS won their first race of the year with Nizzolo, which is not super surprising. He was most of their victories for last year as well. Vic- Speaking of victories, we never made a Bahrain Victorious joke in the last...
0: Opportunity lost. They were Bahrain Victorious Victorious. Yeah. We decided we're going to add a Victorious for every victory. Throughout the entire year, so fingers crossed they don't win that much because we'll be we'll be twenty victories in Victorious is in in anyway. Anyway, Bahrain was victorious. Congratulations, Bahrain.
3: Yeah, so Almeria, just kind of a one day that came down to a sprint. Kav got a flat
0: in his defense. Oh, that's way he better. He posted than it up on Instagram. Dropped. Yeah, no, it's good. It's I'm glad he just got a flat. He didn't get dropped. He posted up Instagram that he very much enjoyed the day racing. That he he was very happy to be back with the Wolf Pack. Felt like a pure bike racer again, but flatted at the end. So I guess both him and Hodeg both flatted, and uh I think Seneschal ended up second anyway. So super strong team as always. Uh, that team with all of their riders at the finish line would have been something to watch.
2: Can we just just discuss a little bit about the racing season kicking off in Europe because I don't know about you guys, but I'm absolutely loving it Yeah, Tour down under is usually lovely uh well as uh uh San, what what's it called in yeah well, that's, that's the one uh it's usually great as well, but it just feels sort of old school um a little bit rustic. But it's fantastic to see the big hitters turn up to races like this. And I'm absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, it feels kind of old school. All these, all these, yeah. not necessarily old races. The races haven't been around for a super long time. Like Provence isn't that old. I made that mistake on the podcast once before.
2: But no, it's on the roads, in the, we- in the weather.
0: Yeah, but it has that feel of sort of the, the early season Southern European races as opposed to going to places where it is like actual... Well, summer temperatures—if not actually summer—the uh, Middle East or Australia, where it is actually summer—I I like it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of discussion about sort of the globalization of cycling and things like that, but there's no there's sort of no denying that the you know the beating heart of the sport is still in a in a pretty small area in Europe, uh, and I say this as somebody who's not from that part of the world. There's something special about those early races, and when you've got all those big names showing up, that's what makes it really cool, right? When you've got Ivan Sosa, Egan Bernal, and Philippe duking it out in Avantu in, in February. Like I said, that's just really cool. I, I've been enjoying it. I
3: firmly, firmly disagree with you guys. I think, like, the only way that this sport is going to grow is- – In worldwide, the only way that it's going to be more marketable, there's going to be more money in the sport. There's that the sport is just going to be bigger in general. Which isn't that what we want? We want the sport to grow. Like the even the men's side of cycling isn't a. It's still a niche sport for us. It feels like it's this huge sport, but that's because we're very much much immersed in it. But it's not. It's not a. It's not a big sport at all. And the only way it's going to grow is for more people worldwide to to recognize it and for it to have more of a following. And if it continues to be just this niche sport in this, in, in Europe where, you know, it is already a big sport, then it's not going to grow at all. It's just going to continue to be what it is. It's going to continue to be, you know, this weird sponsorship model that isn't sustainable, where the riders aren't getting paid what they should be getting paid as professional athletes. If you compare it to other sports and, and, the the countries that are trying so hard to get a cycling following and get more people involved in the sport, like Australia, America, s- places in South America, stuff like that, that are going out of their way to put on these big races so that the big riders will come to their countries and try to grow fo- the following of the sport and get people more excited about cycling. It's, I think that there's, there's only downside here.
0: Abby, you are 100% correct. <laughs> you are. No, like if you want to grow the sport and you want the sport to be bigger and better and more global, you are 100% correct. That does not mean I'm not a little bit nostalgic <laughs> about the early early season Southern European like season opener races, Th- those two things coexist in my head simultaneously: the desire, the desire to do all these other things, and and push the sport out to a broader audience, and also kind of a deep in my soul appreciation of people racing uh, in the wind and nastiness of europe that's totally that's
3: totally fair and i too i do like seeing the the all the big names kind of converging at these races but another downside to this situation is also there's a ton of the younger guys on teams and -and up-and-coming gc riders and stuff like that who aren't able to race right now because the really Top guys, the guys who are going for the classics and all the guy and the guys who are the GC riders are the ones that teams are racing at the moment. So a big majority of teams aren't getting an opportunity to race at the moment because there's not enough races on the calendar for teams to be taking those young guys and guys who are going to be the future of the sport and also guys that are like in the latter years of their of the sport they're not able to race right now because they would have been going to San Juan and they would have been going to California or to Australia. And so it's
0: kind of effectively, it's kind of effectively shrunk the Peloton exactly. Yeah. Which is, which is really interesting. Uh, and it's, it'll be interesting to see whether that's sort of, uh, whether there's any long term effects of that, because as you say, there's, there's fewer opportunities for development and there's just fewer opportunities to show yourself and things like that. Uh, Nonetheless, you know, you can make the the opposite argument, which is that, you know, is is the world tour itself quite bloated, uh, both in races and in the number of riders in it, which if you decrease the number of races that are in the world tour, then you sort of by default decrease the number of riders that a team needs to have to cover all those races. You don't have to have, you know, three separate teams within three separate squads within a single team, things like that. Uh, these are all things we've talked about that are much big bigger picture kind of uh, changes to the sport type stuff. But this is, this is what the pandemic is doing, right? It's, it's sort of forcing this experimentation that hasn't happened previously. But the racing has been better, which means you end up with a better sport and hopefully more fans and things like that. So anyway, we've gone on a, on a bit of a tangent.
3: Yeah, Shadi just saying. wanted to reminisce about the good old days as he does. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: and instead we've
0: attempted to solve cycling again, which we are want to do.
2: I was gonna try and take it down another avenue, but I'll leave it for another episode.
0: <laughs> we were worried that this thinking... episode would be short today because we had no Dane, uh, but it's not because it turns out we're good at talking I something.
2: I was thinking, there's no reason why you couldn't have like the setup, like you got the tour down under a hub with an event and a load of other stuff going on, big rides for the people, like that early season in Girona somewhere like that. It would be absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah, but you need like you need a huge amount of government support for that, right? That's why the TDU works. Uh, yeah. you know, Adelaide and the surrounding area pumps a ton of money into that and Girona's not gonna do that, unfortunately.
2: Uh the yeah, Cyclist already.
0: If you want to hear more on this particular topic, go check out the uh the Rafa Roadmap episodes that we did. There's three of them, four of them out there. The most recent one was with Dave Brailsford and Simon Matram, the head of Rafa. Uh, yeah, go check them out. That's that's we've talked about those numerous times. Let's move on. Oh, this is my little news bit here, Richard Freeman, because uh, I guess I'm just the doping person, uh, having covered the sport for a while and having written my fair share of of doping related stories. <laughs> Anyway, Richard Freeman, the former Team Sky slash uh, Team GB doctor, has officially been charged by UK anti-doping for two violations of its anti-doping rules. Uh, This is according to the BBC, and according to them, Freeman has been charged with possession of a prohibited substance and tampering or attempted tampering with any part of a doping control. Uh, Freeman has contested the charges and has requested a hearing. So this is just another step in a many-step process, as many steps as the Empire State Building. This particular process, this is just another one, and but it is it is it's important because UK Anti-Doping had not previously formally charged him with anything. We had been uh the, the hearings you've been hearing about in the news were mostly related to whether he would keep his medical license, basically. Uh, they were they were medical tribunals. They were not anti-doping tribunals, so to speak. Uh, this was, this is officially UK anti-doping saying, you broke our rules. And the potential ramifications are he could be banned from the sport for four years, uh, suspended for four years from working within cycling, which I really can't imagine that any team would want to hire him at this point. But, uh, you know. Those bands and suspensions are still important. So there is your Richard Freeman update. Anyway, next... We have a, an unofficial hour record. This is this is a happier topic. Let's let's hit this one real quick. Yeah, what happened?
3: Jocelyn Loudon of uh, Drops La set an unofficial new hour record, which is super exciting. Forty-eight point one six zero kilometers. The current official record is held by Victoria Busi. Busi, she's Italian. Hopefully, in the near future, we're going to see an official official hour record for for Loudon.
0: Yeah, important to note, important to note that, you know, unofficial hour record basically just means that she rode at pace for an hour in training. Uh, Obviously, you know, an actual hour record requires the UCI to be there. For example, you have to, you know, go through a whole rigmarole. Uh, You have to set the whole thing up with timing companies and things like that. None of that happened. This was just, you know, sitting there with a stopwatch saying, all right, well, yeah, you could have beat it. So, not official. But it means that they're trying. And I personally am just a massive fan of the hour record in general. So looking forward to that one. The, the, whatever the, the full attempt is.
3: For a while there, the hour record was was what is now Eversing. It felt like everybody yep. was going for an hour record.
0: Maybe we should make Ronan do it.
3: That would be awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how he would feel about that. We've just signed him up for it. Sorry, bud.
3: Mm, we keep doing that to him. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, Jocelyn was one of the riders who was really good at Zwift when Zwift racing was in full swing during the the early days of the pandemic. So it's super interesting to see that kind of translated onto the track and how that can that can work. Just basically things where you know you can put out a lot of a lot of watts.
0: So keep an eye on that. More hour record updates coming soon. Our last little news item. This isn't really news. This is um, this is when James puts his Andy Rooney hat on and talks about what really grinds his gears. <laughs> or is that from Family Guy? Anyway, uh,
3: <laughs>
0: something is grinding James's gears, and that is uh, we put a post up on the Cycling Tips Instagram over the weekend. Uh, our our social media editor Mike did this. It was a repost of a post from Kevin Hart, the extremely famous comedian who rides a bike. He's just he's sort of, sort of a general fitness nut, uh, does all kinds of fitness things. And, and one of those is riding both road and mountain bikes. And he posted up a photo of himself in, well, looks like full Rafa. I think he had a Trek there. And we're just huge fans of sort of anytime broader celebrity does bike stuff, whether it's Kevin Hart or uh,
3: Orlando Bloom
0: cool. is really into cycling. Orlando Bloom.
3: Yeah.
0: There we go. We, we, we've, we've done a bunch of these. There's lots of there's lots of sort of celebrities out there that ride bikes, and we think it's important to sort of highlight those and say, you know, look, bikes can be normal. The <laughs> other not a weirdo like us. You can be normal and ride a bicycle. We put this post up. The reactions, James, you were not a fan
1: of. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, we... we we were talking a little bit earlier in the show about how cycling really could use an awful lot of mainstream attention and sort of mainstream legitimacy in terms of turning it from this very very niche sport especially here in the US to something a little bit more mainstream and kind of you know more acceptable less weird and you know here we have you know one of the world's most famous and popular comedians uh, i mean if 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 you Want to gauge someone's popularity by this? Then you know he he has a hundred and four million Instagram followers, which is slightly more than I have. um And you know yeah, so he posted this picture or two pictures of himself, uh, heading out for a road ride. And yeah, he's in top to bottom Rafa kit. I think he was. I think he might have even been in Rafa shoes. He, they're Bontragers.
0: They they because they were super cool, and I looked into them because I wanted them. Aha, they're Bontragers. Right. Well anyway,
1: yeah. Bontrager Bontrager shoes. He was on trek. I think he was on a Domane um and you know this is something that we should absolutely as cyclists all be super super excited about like one of the world's biggest mainstream stars putting himself out there proudly it's like hey i'm riding bikes i think it's cool i want to be fit you should maybe ride bikes too and instead of people celebrating this thing we had a whole bunch of comments on our feed basically just ripping into him for the fact that he's wearing like knee-high compression socks and a mountain bike helmet with a visor and I'm going to have to refrain I I'm, well, I'm going to have to restrain myself from just letting loose with a whole bunch of expletives <laughs> which is what was going through my head when I was reading these comments earlier because this is stupid i'm sorry like it's just dumb like we have a beat machine so you can just go just go all in
0: just all right, do it well
2: you might, you might
1: go, if, if we're gonna go in we're gonna go all in all right we have we have one of the world's biggest and most recognizable mainstream stars who is putting out there that he is proudly going out there riding a road bike we have cyclists all over the world who are getting killed on roads because we are not seen as sort of you know legitimate road users and we have we have so much to gain from someone of Kevin Hart's celebrity status, you know, making it making it known to the world that he is going to be out there riding bikes. So why the f- would you be criticizing? What the hell this guy is wearing? What the hell does it matter what this guy is wearing? None of us should be caring about that at all. You should not be giving a f- at all what what he is wearing. <laughs> Who cares? Quick, yo, know, get your head out of your be happy that this guy is ha- – you know, be happy that this guy is riding a road bike and quit criticizing whatever, he, whatever the hell the guy's wearing because I guarantee you he does not give a – whatever you are wearing or what you look like on your road ride because he's got more money than God. He's got more fame than you. And you know we should all be happy that he's out there. So shut about what you think about he should be wearing about with his helmet and socks and just be happy that he's riding a goddamn road bike. Hell yes.
2: Who's Kevin App? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just Sh-
0: shoddy shoddy like the biggest the biggest fan of uh of general stand-up comedy of anybody on staff i do not believe you <laughs> james i'm 100 percent with you this is your once monthly reminder that when we are out on the roads on bikes roadies in particular we all look like idiots all the time to the general <laughs> population. So, <laughs> yo, the, the height of our socks, the matchy-matchiness of our outfit, the visor or no visor on our helmet, completely irrelevant to the general population. They're only little cues that we get, that we pick up in inside our little clique of hardcore cyclists. That stuff doesn't matter to the rest of the world. It shouldn't really matter to us. We're the only ones that notice it. I think it's absolutely absurd the amount of hate that Kevin Hart was getting on our Instagram. It, like you said, it just it does not it does not matter. The fact that he is out there normalizing what to the general public looks like just a roadie outfit, exactly like what we wear, because the minutia here, the, the height of the socks and the visor and things like that, no one else is, is noticing that. As far as the rest of the world is concerned, he's just a roadie right he's just another cyclist out on a road bike in Kate. like the rest of us the fact that he's out there normalizing that to 104 million people on instagram we should be just doing nothing but applauding
1: absolutely nothing but applauding so here's the thing i've been i've been spending a lot of time skiing this year and you know anyone who has spent time on the slopes will know that you know if you you know, you see a bunch of kids out there. They have these crazy things on their helmets. You know, you have like a dinosaur tail and like a big neon green mohawk. Like I saw all this stuff this weekend. And, you know, Kevin Hart could have had that on his helmet. And we should have been like, that's f***ing rad. Cool because, dinosaur tail. Yeah, Kevin Hart. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but the but the thing that really struck me about this is, and, and this is what really makes me mad about all this, is we are, cyclists are constantly bitching and moaning about how we want more legitimacy, how we don't want to be made fun of on the roads. Like, oh, hey, look, another Lance Armstrong, Lance <laughs> Armstrong, you know, like no one wants to deal with that stuff. And this is exactly the sort of thing that will that will start turning the tide so that people don't look at us in that way. And the fact that we have so many people who are still making fun of this guy because of his socks and his helmet just tells me more and more that we are just totally. F- yep. So stop it.
0: If you, listener out there, was one of the people that made fun of Kevin Hart's socks and helmet... I disapprove. We disapprove. This is... But, but you know, it's not like we're going to, like, ban you. This is a learning experience, right? This is next time there is a big celebrity who does a bike thing and doesn't do it exactly how you would have done it. Let's take a step back and realize that that doesn't matter. Realize that the only thing that matters... That they're on a bicycle in front of millions of people, and they're normalizing the thing that we all love to do. That was a superb rant, James.
2: I want—if anybody knows where he is, like he posted one a photo five days ago on Instagram. This is what Monday is it today? I want to know where he is. He looks awesome for riding. He's in LA, probably. I think he's in California. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's in LA.
2: That's wild. It—it's not what I expected LA to be like at all.
3: Look, the riding in L.A. is some of the best in the world, yeah. and I'm not kidding. Yeah, if he wants that- to invite us over, I'm more than happy
0: to go for a pedal with him. The hashtag L.A. sucks for cycling is definitely uh, ironic because, yes, like downtown L.A., that kind of sucks for cycling. But you can get into pretty amazing riding in that part of the world very, very, very fast. It's, I mean, it's why, it's why Chris Froome and Garrett Thomas and other people go there to train because weather's fantastic and the roads are great. And, anyway, SoCal let's move on
2: be nice Do we have to do we have to because i want to talk about his cap <laughs> Is he... right I, put, I i put a lot out there in jest people about um not a lot but i've put a few videos out there in jest regarding style and stuff like that in the past and it's always in jest and i might be working on something about um Cycling tips or shoddy UCI rules, safety rules coming up, and there might be something about caps in there, or baseball caps. But he carries that cap off with a rafa kit, with a plum. He is, he's looking, he's, he's looking hot, isn't he? That's the word. The uh, the last time I saw photos of him
0: riding, he was on flat pedals too. So he he's upgraded. He has, he's upgraded. He's upgraded to like real real roadie shoes he's got a power meter on there i mean the, the dude loves bikes just just be stoked for him right that's what it's we need awesome. to do we need to be stoked for our fellow bike riders all right we, we we've ranted enough i think you all get the point let's try to be more inclusive we've been talking about this a lot on on the podcast and on the site james you had a great piece on that uh, about a what, week and a week and a half ago something like that anyone on bikes is good that's how we feel all right it's time for a debate abby i think it's me this time i'm back in after getting my my butt handed to me in the opening debate with dane uh which (laughs) (laughs) thank you twitter for having zero faith in my arguing, arguing. Anyway, I'm back. Who am I up against this time?
3: Yeah, so as the winner of the last formal debate, James, up against Sh No surprise that James has really taken this one, honestly. It, w- it wasn't that big of a defeat.
0: It was quite close, though.
3: The topic was uh, electronic shifting versus mechanical shifting, and James had a pretty good argument for for mechanical shifting, although I feel that there would have been a much better argument for electronic shifting if either of the parties had been behind electronic shifting to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, good point. (laughs) Anyway, so our last non-formal debate was the Chris Froome on disc brakes debate, which shockingly... As we were recording, it went from 100% right by 1% to that he is wrong by 2%, 987 votes. And it's only a 2% difference between he's right and he's wrong.
0: 51 to
1: 49? Unreal. Wow. So there we go. It was even, it was even a little bit less than that, actually. It was 1.8%, if you want to. Dig this into is the it. great but, debate but for- of our time. Yeah, but but for a long time it was totally neck, like neck and neck down to the individual vote. It was pretty astounding.
3: <laughs> what does that tell you about people and their disc brake?
0: Tells me that the consumer is very split. <laughs> that we're very divided. <laughs> this is this is the this is the partisan topic of of the cycling world. You know, this mm. is this is uh this is essentially politics at this point. No, nope. and we're just right right down the middle. Just right down the middle.
3: Anyway, for today's debate, we have Kaylee Fretz back in the ring after a couple of weeks of, uh, of break, and James Wong up against each other. And our topic today is chain wax
2: for oh. or
3: against. <laughs> so as the most recent winner, James, you are going to call the coin toss.
1: I call heads. Heads.
3: Woo! So James, right. would you like to go first or second?
1: I would like to go I would like to go first.
0: I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out about this. I can feel my my heart rate increasing. It literally is 73. It's
1: like <laughs> it's like 30 it's like 30 beats up. I'm stressed out about this. <laughs> Before we start, I just want to make sure that everyone understands what we're debating here. So we are talking about the process of I guess immersion waxing your chain which is basically taking your chain and dipping it in a big vat of melted wax instead of using conventional drip on lube. So that's what we're talking about here. And a- Abby you're looking horrified. So anyway, we're, we're this is what we're debating. So I just want to make sure that everyone's clear on what we're talking about.
2: All right. If they're not if they're not clear, go and check out Dave Rome's article cuz well, it's quite in-depth in depth, isn't it.
3: <laughs> article or <laughs> ebook? Yeah, make sure
1: you've got a week set aside for that one.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh. Anyway. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay, I will acknowledge first and foremost, yes, chain waxing is a pain, especially the first time around because you have to have a totally dry and clean chain to start with. Yes, it is easy to get it wrong. No, it is absolutely not the best solution for a lot of people, especially if you ride regularly in wet weather. But also, yes, we have a lot of data showing that it is measurably more efficient. Yeah, fine, okay. But much more importantly for everyday people though, we have data showing that it also helps your drivetrain parts last a lot longer than regular lube, which given how much everything costs these days and how impossible it is to find replacement parts for stuff, I would argue that is a much stronger reason to go with chain waxing right now instead of just regular lube because provided you do it right, which is easier than it seems, drivetrains also stay super clean, which means that you actually have to maintain your stuff less. So Kaylee, I'm just going to just preempt you here. I know you're going to say that you're lazy, so you don't want to do this, but I argue <laughs> that you do, that That you should be waxing your chain because you are lazy and because <laughs> you don't want to do any chain, uh, because you don't want to do any chain maintenance. Time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I love how James is taking a leaf out of my book by attacking somebody.
3: <laughs> All right, Kaylee, when you're All right.
0: ready. Okay, three, two, one. I will acknowledge that James is right on some things. It is much cleaner. It maybe allows your drivetrain to last a little bit longer if you are militant about doing it properly. But therein lies the problem. It's faffing. It, it, it requires so much time and energy. It requires you to buy a crock pot. It requires you to pull your chain off and clean it in an ultrasonic cleaner. I don't want an ultrasonic cleaner. I don't have room in my house for an ultrasonic cleaner. None of these things are things I want to do. It is such a marginal increase in both performance and longevity that I would much rather just Lube my chain, clean it off every once in a while, and lube it again. It's not very hard, and my drivetrains last plenty long. Five seconds to spare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's because you got now to say you're not got any an argument, up here. <laughs> <laughs> right,
3: as you I'm were ready. talking, as you were talking, I was thinking, man, Kaylee's gonna need like six minutes to make his point. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to speak slowly, clearly forcefully yeah all
3: right james ready for your rebuttal All right,
1: go kaylee i'm just gonna say that your your arguments there just illustrate your ignorance on the topic because you don't need any of that stuff you don't need an ultrasonic cleaner you don't need all that junk that you're talking about you need like two ball jars and maybe a little bit of solvent and you don't need a crock pot you need a a stove and a pot of boiling water and a plastic container because that's how easy it is to lubricate your chain. And it's not just a marginal improvement. I mean, you're you're talking about like double the lifespan of your drivetrain components, especially compared to the way most people treat their chains. And I've seen your bike. It's not pretty. And you don't pay for your stuff, at least not for retail. So oh, you are not- sorry,
3: time, like three no. seconds ago. But I was like really intrigued by what you were saying. So I wasn't even looking at the timer. We
1: have the, we have the data. We have the data.
3: Hey, James, whoosh, you've got your time. <laughs> Kaylee, when you're ready.
0: Three, two, one. I would like to contest this data. This is comparing a perfectly done wax setup, which is rare, with a very, very, very poorly done lube setup. That is the two ends of the spectrum here. There is <coughs> your a bike. place in the middle. There's a place in the middle, which is a well- maintained lubed drivetrain versus a wax drivetrain which is done poorly which also happens all the time unless you've got an ultrasonic cleaner and a crock pot and all the other things that add a whole bunch of time and expense and you have to spend too much energy waxing your chain i don't want to spend energy waxing my time time
3: (laughs) all right so that's our debate who's right who's wrong who is the least wrong anyway james that you should wax your chain or kaylee that no one has time for that
0: <laughs> I don't have time for that, nor inclination, nor the the I, funny part of this, the funny part of we've talked about this on the on the <laughs> nerdler podcast <laughs> is like. I wrote the story. That's literally the first, like the first story about chain waxing. I accidentally kicked this off, basically, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> this is like seven years ago, and I, you know, like, I did it for a while. I, the last time I did it was when I raced Leadville in like 2015 or 16 or something like that. When I
1: like cared about going fast, and that was the last time your drivetrain ran smoothly.
0: No, it's, it runs
1: fine. I l- you lube and you wipe. I, I and you lube want. I and you would like to. And... I would like to point out that. For anyone who is a regular listener of the Nerd Alert podcast, Kaylee, you you can't back out of this because you've even said it very clearly yourself. Zach Edwards at Boulder Gruppetto does a lot of the maintenance on Kaylee's bike. (laughs) Some. Hmm. Some of the All the the important stuff. All all the critical (laughs) stuff that actually matters. All the
0: things that require actual tools where I would have just used a hammer, like pulling and removing bottom brackets and (laughs) things like that.
3: (laughs) But uh, to be fair... James, not everybody is as good at bike maintenance as you are.
1: Which is exactly why you should be waxing your chain, because it means that you have to do it a lot less. Nope. You have to I, do it like, if you ride a lot, you have to do it like every week. No, thank <laughs> you. No, thank you. Don't. You don't. You, know, you do it once, and then you just apply like a like a wax drip on lube after that. It's so easy. It's so easy. And I replace I, f- I feel like we're both, we're both just continuing our time. Here. <laughs> so we need to cut it off. We need to cut it
2: off yeah no, i just listening to this i can see a shabby <laughs> video coming up how hard is it to wax your chain
0: last time <laughs> I, you burn yourself like i have a burn on my hand
3: Shh, kaylee no more
0: <laughs> it's not from waxing my chain it's from the stove
3: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the podcast and if you did not know we actually have this segment available on youtube so check out our youtube channel to see this segment in video form. There are lots of facial expressions. It is hopefully very entertaining. Team if Lube. You are only watching this video on YouTube. Check out our podcast. It is where anywhere podcasts are found. The vote will be on Twitter. You will be able to vote for the entire rest of this week up until we record the next podcast on Monday. You can either vote for Kaylee, Team No Wax, or vote for James, team
0: Team Lube and Tube. Wax.
3: Yeah, wax on wax off.
0: Team Lubin Tube, come on, cool. people! You're not waxing your chains. That's it. No, it's vote, over. Vote for your vote for your heart. I, have, have you tried to your a
1: replacement cassette and chain right now? Have you Have you noticed how hard it is to find a chain? Just a Film. chain right now. End of the you video. You want your the last long time? Wax your chains. So easy. It's vote so lube. easy.
2: Vote I be your meant to be in charge here. Eh?
3: I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah.
0: Before we get into today's tech segment, before we give it we, we we get to today's tech segment, are you looking for an indoor riding challenge on the virtual ride platform Full Gaz? You can ride Land's End to John Groats. So that's 603 miles, 970 kilometers end to end of the UK. Plus, a number of stages throughout the ride are, are hosted virtually by legendary cycling commentator Phil Liggett. This event kicks off on March 1st and is going through March 27th. You could go for prizes and enjoy the 22 stage journey. Register at L E. J O G 2021.FullGaz.com. That's F U L G A Z.com. LeJog2021.FullGaz.com. Use the code 21 C T LeJog L E J O G for 10% off. And thank you to FullGaz for supporting this episode. Uh, FullGaz is actually the, the app that was used by friend of the podcast podcast tour de france host rupert guinness for his uh virtual race across america last year so basically you can like see the actual roads that you're riding on things like that so go check it out is it
2: is it all video then
0: yeah it's all video
2: oh that's all right stop halfway <laughs> in kendall because my dad's bike shop's exactly we well, pretty much <laughs> about 50k being exactly on the route
0: so there you go. Stop at Shotty's Dad's Bike Shop. What's it <laughs> called, Shotty?
2: What's it called? Bruce Bruce's Bike Shop.
0: Bruce's Bike Shop. Is so it, when you're virtually riding through Kendall, stop at Bruce's Bike Shop. <laughs> use, code, the, uh, use code. Use code twenty.
2: coffee.
0: <laughs> yeah, get a coffee. Use code twenty-one CT Lajog for ten percent off. And again, thank you to Full Guys for supporting this episode. That is a cool, cool event. All right, the big reveal. James, what are we calling
1: the segment formerly known as Nerd Alert? Well, I think it's time for the tech segment, which is called Nerd Nuggets. Yes. Nerd Nuggets. So we, so, we had a couple of goals in renaming this segment. We had lots of great suggestions, so thanks to everyone for sending in your suggestions. Um, one is we kind of wanted to keep the whole nerd thing in there, um, partially because we don't really want to change the sound effect. We like the sound effect. It's good. We want to yep. keep nerd in there. And the other is it's, you know, it's a little bit of nerdiness. So like, you kind of wanted to have some like little things like, you know, tech tidbit was another popular suggestion. Um, but this, I can't remember how exactly this dawned on me, but like something came up with Dan and Dan's fascination with chicken McNuggets. And then all of a sudden it hit me. He's like, we should name this thing, nerd nuggets. And it's like, (laughs) this is perfect. It's
0: kind of like vaguely gross. I don't know. <laughs> it, nuggets. It, it, nuggets has a couple different <laughs> connotations.
2: <laughs> well,
0: but that's perfect for us. It's perfect. So, in this in this particular instance, we just mean small. Just <laughs> it's a small nugget of nerditude coming to you every week as part of the podcast. So what are we talking about this week? Indeed.
1: All right. Well, uh, for this week's nerd nuggets, we have. Well, we don't really talk about sort of. You know, legislation a whole lot, but there was an interesting bit of legislation that was introduced in the U.S. Congress recently by uh, California Congressman Jimmy Panetta, um, and, and t- uh, together with Congressional Bike Caucus Chairman Earl Blumenauer, um, and they introduced this legislation called the Electric Bicycle Incentive Kickstart for the Environment Act, otherwise known as e-bike. How clever. Um, Yes. And essentially what this is, and again, I just want to just reiterate that this is just proposed legislation. This is not something that has actually passed or anything. Uh, But in this legislation, it's essentially they're they're offering a a tax incentive to purchase bicycles. I mean, it's going to create a consumer tax credit that covers uh 30 of the cost of an electric bike up to fifteen hundred dollars us um it applies to new electric bicycle purchases that cost less than eight thousand dollars and they're also saying that it's a fully refundable tax credit meaning that it will allow lower income workers to claim the credit and the reason why i find this significant is well a few things Uh, i mean one you know we've been talking about sort of you know climate change sustainability that sort of thing uh, it's been known for a very long time that uh, a very large percentage of car trips at least certainly in the US are are actually pretty low in in distance pretty, pretty short distance and a like lot of those 2 to 5 miles yeah, right <laughs> a lot of those trips could be pretty easily done by bicycle assuming you have you know a safe way a safe route to to you know to ride your bike somewhere um and this sort of thing by incentivizing people to buy e-bikes it really does it really does stand To potentially get an awful lot of people onto e bikes and out of their cars, which would be a really, really good thing. So, I want to, you know, people in the UK, they're familiar with the cycle to work scheme that's been in place for, uh, it's like 20 years or something. Feels a long time. Yeah, it's for sure. It's been in place for a long time. And the UK cycle to work scheme, basically, what that does is it it provides means for people to buy bicycles using pre-tax dollars. So, and and you can and you can spread out the payments over a year. I think it is. Uh, it, it saves your employer money. It saves you money. It allows you to. It, it's a, essentially like a zero percent financing plan, uh, and you get a big discount for for bike stuff. And by you know from everything that I've read, that program has been extremely successful. I mean, it's not. You know, people certainly don't just use it for commuting bikes. They also use it for sport bikes and that sort of thing. Whatever. It's fine. It's getting more people on bikes. This sort of thing in the US, if it does go through, I mean, like I said, it could get a lot of people onto e-bikes and out of their cars, which would be awesome. Yeah. And
0: e-bikes are, are really important for getting people out of cars. I mean, even just speaking for myself, you know, as a hardcore cyclist who rides a lot anyway and is pretty fit and can like you know, I'm not scared of riding across town on a regular bike, but having an e-bike in the garage still just takes away the, the few seconds of, oh, do I have time to ride over there? Oh, do I need to, to show up not sweaty or whatever? You just pop an e-bike because it's faster than driving across town. So a lot of those two to five mile trips that we're talking about, which are, you know, four miles on a regular commuter bike if you maybe carrying a backpack or something like that's a pretty that's a significant you know that's that's 30 minutes 20 minute uh, something like that 20, 20 30 minutes depending on how hilly your your town is it's significant it's enough that a lot of people are going to get into, into a car and that e-bike just takes away the the decision making basically you just automatically go on at least i do uh, and so i think this this is could be massively important it is worth reiterating that you know this is just a, a it's a proposed Bill, right? Uh, we're at the very, very start of a long legislative process. Uh, that said, what often happens is is stuff like this will end up, you know, it'll be its own bill now, but it'll get end up getting wrapped into something later on, for example. Uh, you know, you could have this wrapped into a, a massive budget bill, for example, uh, the, the sort that has to get passed by Congress every so often, or else the government shuts down. Which almost everyone will have heard about the U.S. government shutting down a number of times over the last decade or so. But those are always passed eventually, and th- these are the kind of interesting things that can get slid into those larger omnibus bills and em- eventually get through. And it could it could potentially have a massive impact on you know people's ability to buy. These bikes, which are no question better at getting people out of cars than a regular, you know, a fixie or some sort of other commuter bike.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of comments from people talking about, you know, kind of complaining why, you know, why this sort of thing shouldn't be applied just to regular bikes too. Um, And to that, I would like to point out that a bill like this is not intended for people like us okay, they like you know like you mentioned like people who are already ride bikes a lot who are relatively fit that sort of thing the point is to incentivize people who wouldn't normally consider using a bicycle for transportation at all to consider using a bicycle as transportation and for a lot of those people even if they live in a flatter, in a flatter area, um, for a lot of them who maybe don't exercise a lot, that sort of thing, the idea of using their own power exclusively to get somewhere and to run errands and that sort of thing is just a non-starter. So to be able to present to them an idea to get them onto an e-bike for a pretty hefty discount is pretty appealing. You know when you're out on your road bike and you're
0: like up some, you know, out in the middle of nowhere somewhere, and you stop a little cafe or a store to get a Snickers bar. And the person behind the counter is like, how did you get here? We're in the middle of nowhere. How far did you ride? Oh, I rode 18 miles to get here. And their eyes are just like, wow, you rode 18 miles? That's the person that is going to be helped by this particular scheme, right? It's the person who really can't conceive of riding a bicycle more than a mile or two, right? That's the person that, that this is going to help. Uh, and we've all, we all, we run into them all the time. There, there are, <laughs> there, everybody who's not a hardcore cyclist basically. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of this thing. Uh, I think that, you know, call your Congress people, tell them that you like this particular bill. It stuff like that actually does work. Uh, you know, people here, if Congress people hear nu- numerous times about a particular subject, it puts it on their radar and that's how these things move forward.
2: We, we've we actually got um, here in France a scheme where, yeah, you get money off for buying an e-bike now, and it's quite a fair chunk as well. I think it's like €500 euros or something crazy like that. I've not looked into it, but I know of several people actually in the block of apartments that are live in here in Annecy have taken it up, and it's great seeing them roll out the garage on the morning going to work on their e-bikes.
0: The former, <laughs> the former presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg, actually – uh, I had an interview last week, or maybe the week before, saying that roads were not just for cars. So we're sort of pointed in the right direction as bike people, uh, and hopefully we'll have some
1: government support on that front over the next couple of years. Yeah, so I'm just going to put out a little call to action here. So People for Bikes, which is sort of the, I guess you would say they're the, they're the premier advocacy group in the U.S. for for cycling uh they have a site set up so that you can send a letter to your local congressman uh it's called it's uh the site is action.peopleforbikes.org. uh so i would encourage you if you are living in the s or if you're living in the u.s or honestly i mean i suppose you could send a letter even if you're not from the u.s um, but if they you might wanted, ignore you <laughs> they might ignore you they very well might ignore you but um if you if you go to action.peopleforbikes.org you can send a letter to your congressman expressing your support for this sort of bill and like Haley said just getting letters and that sort of thing is how things like this get on their radar so i mean fingers crossed something like this could actually happen so let's find out
0: Tens of thousands of people listen to this podcast, and a, and a large portion of those people are in the U.S. And if most of you did this, it would move the needle. There's no question. So, do us a favor. Go do it right now. Do
2: you know you need to get behind this bill, Kevin? Uh, get yes. him to Post about in his Instagram. That's uh, that's a yes,
0: hundred percent. Anybody no, know? No, Kevin no Hart?
1: We, we we can't respect his opinion. We, we can't respect his his opinion, Shadi, because he's got a visor on his helmet and he wears knee high socks. I mean, what what good is he going to be? Kevin Hart, are you out there? Kevin <laughs> Kevin Hart, are you out there? But let's put out a little challenge then. Like so, if you would like to see more people riding bikes, if you think getting cycling into into the mainstream just arena is a good thing, consider tagging Kevin Hart in your Instagram posts. His Instagram handle is Kevin Hart. That's H-A-R-T, for Real, the number four. So Kevin Hart, for Real. Maybe tag him in a post or something, or maybe, you know, message him or something. Just say, hey, you know, heard about some stuff about you on the Cycling Tips podcast, and we would like to get you to express your support behind this e-bike bill. Maybe you can lend us a hand. Sounds great. Let's do it.
2: The guy who got the bill across the line here in France was Kevin Kerr. What? <laughs> oh... Is that a wasted joke?
0: Yes. A French joke. That means, it's, that's the that's the word for heart in French. Uh. <laughs> Took me a second. <laughs> oh, French out of context. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think it's time to rip up for today. Yeah, that is the end We're of the first it. Nerd Nugget. There you go. Nerd Nuggets.
1: We do need shirts. We do need shirts. We definitely need shirts. Andy, Andy, Andy we need shirts.
0: Get on it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully Dane is back next week. As will we be.
1: See y'all. Oh, and don't forget to vote for me in the podcast, for the podcast debate, by the way. Vote for me. Vote for me. Vote me. Vote me. Me, 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 me. me, Wax, wax is the worst. Vote for me.